0: Without announcing what book of the Bible I'll read from, I want to see if you can decide what book it is that has your eye and your ear attentive. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What a world! There was day and there was night and there was land and there was water and there was the sun and the moon and the stars and God created every living thing. And God could see it was good, very good. And in the sixth day, God created man. And, of course, male and female created he them. And he said, be fruitful. Man was created from the dust of the earth. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living soul. And God could see that man was lonely, so he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, that first man. And from his side a rib was taken, and God made woman, Eve. Now they were to dress and keep the garden. They were of one flesh, and everything was good, very good. Until the serpent questioned what God said, You shall not eat of every tree of this garden. You can't touch that tree, lest you die. Surely you will not die. God knows that your eyes would be opened and you should be as God, and you'd know good and evil. And Eve could see that it was a pleasant tree to look upon a desirable tree and she took of the fruit and did eat and gave to Adam also and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and then they had a little work party and they made aprons to hide their sin their nakedness what book was that folks Amen. I knew you were there. Something happened in that garden that day. And it affects us today. By one man's sin, death by sin was passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Now, is there consequences to Adam's sin and my sin and your sin? Will sin really find you out? If nobody sees you and you sin, will it ever find you out? Uh, When sin is finished, what happens? Does it bring death? Well, some people say it's slow. Well, sometimes it's fast. Sin does finish. And when it's finished, it's not a good sight. So I want you to think with me this morning about the consequences of sin. I mean, just in case you ever do sin. Is there any consequences from your sin? How about depravity? What is that? How about guilt? How about the penalty of sin? How about death? Uh, uh, if, If it is slow or if it is sudden or if it is physical... Death. You do know you're going to die, don't you? It's appointed unto man to die. So, uh, <clears throat> is there anything else after this when you die? Is there a spiritual death? Ah, uh, is there eternal death? Now, you know that a man's going to have to stand before God one day and respond what he did with the offer. God made to take care of sin, and that was Jesus. And if a man says no to Jesus all of his life, what's the consequences of that going to be? You see, Satan lies to me and you. He has from the beginning. He tells you that sin will bring you a lot of joy. And there's pleasure in sin. And there sure is for a season. It just don't last long. And... and uh, sin once committed is everlasting in nature. So, God's Word, the Word of God, reveals to us today truth about sin. Do you believe it? You see, the Spirit and the Word of God remains today to reveal to us sin. And the Word <laughs> remains the same today as it did yesterday. God said, Thou shalt not. And when man says, I think I want to, I think I will, you have to pay the consequences to your will. Sin remains the same yesterday and today, and it never changes. So the the Word of God reveals the sovereignty of God. Now, that's a big old word, but... Uh, It just means that you don't question God. God don't need you to advise Him on anything you're dealing with. He is the advisor. He can tell you what to do. And if you don't do it, you find yourself just like Adam and Eve did, trying to hide your sins behind apron made out of fig leaves. And you can't hide your sin. So this word reveals to us uh, that... There is a depraved nature in man when he sins. And that sinful nature can't be changed by man's works or effort. God's Word reveals then a salvation plan for a man in sin. And it has Holy Spirit assistance and help. Do you understand that? Have you ever had Holy Spirit help? That's assistance when you deal with sin. And yet God's Word reveals Satan's plan against God's plan. And that happened in the beginning. God had a plan, Satan had a plan, and they were at odds with each other. And look what it did to mankind. It separated man from God. So Satan operates by the permissive will of God. Stay with me, I love this part, I love to preach it. Are you kind of uncertain about tomorrow? Do you think God holds tomorrow? You ride right along with me. Now then, does God have a permissive will? Does God allow man to do what he does? I mean, look what Pharaoh did to Israel. Look what's happening in our world today by wicked, cruel men. Does God have any idea what's going on down here? Is there a permissiveness? in God's will, to allow things to be as they are, to see what we're going to do with the Word of God and the revealed blessings that can be ours. You see, uh, the Word of God, to me, is an anchor to my soul. It makes me sure and steadfast. God is God, and beside Him there's none other. He has a plan, and Satan can't interrupt it. Now, he can mess things up for a time, but he can't interrupt the plan, the permissive will of God. You know, man in his sin and iniquity may make this body have pain. This body could be killed. I could be destroyed physically. But that's not what's inside that can't never be killed. The soul of man never dies. You can take my body, but you can't take my soul. And that's you too, friend. Take a brief, deep breath and praise God for the soul-cleansing power that makes you safe from all sin's alarm and all sin's power. So sin operates by the permissive will of God. And God's Word reveals to us that Jesus is going to come again. And if that's not consolation for you, there's trouble in that you have not believed who God sent who's coming for you. Jesus Christ, He promised He would come again. But now there's unbelief about this. There's folks that don't believe Jesus ever came. They don't believe He ever lived. They don't believe He's coming back. Have you read the book? There were those who watched Him go up into the clouds and as He's ascended up, He said, I will come again. That's a promise. Every promise in the book has been clear and true except He's just not come back yet. But how soon is it going to be? Sudden. Soon He's coming back. And that's the blessed hope I have that gives me confidence and assurance that every promise in the book's mine, it's going to be all right. Now let's look at the consequences of sin quickly. Unbelief. Do you know any unbelievers? Were you once an unbeliever? I mean, did did you ever question the fact that Jesus loved you and died for you and He'd save you if you trust Him? Uh, There's people in this world today that don't even believe what I'm preaching. They're called unbelievers, depraved, guilty in sin. So does their unbelief affect the faithfulness of God? Unbelief is strong. So uh, Paul gives us a picture of unbelief. Listen to it in Romans 3. Man goes about out of his own way to do what he thinks is right. Does that sound like an unbeliever? I mean, listening to people in our world today, they think they're right. There's no God. There's no heaven. There's no hell. This is it. And they go about their merry ways. And they think they're right. And the Bible says... They become unprofitable. Their goodness is as filthy rags, and they don't understand. <laughs> I like to th- now, if you want to deal with some unbeliever, just say, I-, I-, I know you don't understand this, and you can't understand it. The carnal mind of man can't understand the spiritual things without help. Holy Spirit, help. So then you don't understand, and, and the unbeliever is blind, he's deaf. I mean, it's it's not a laughing matter. It's terrible that folks can't see the glory of God. They can't hear what we hear as the Spirit reveals to us love. So, um, he he doesn't seek after God. I mean, now, if everybody's going to go to heaven one of these days, why aren't people seeking after God? If, if there is a heaven and there's a God, and nobody needs God and nobody needs heaven now, why don't folks... Seek the Lord. I mean, why don't people drive in on Sunday morning, coming, say, I want to hear the gospel. Have they ever? What makes a man want to hear what you've heard? How come you heard that joyful sound that Jesus saved? So a man doesn't seek after God. Just leave him alone. That's dangerous. You know, in all my ministerial time, I've dealt with fathers and mothers that said, I want to tell you, preacher." Said my mama and daddy drugged me to church. <laughs> and I had to go to Sunday school and, and preaching and Bible. And, and I've decided I'm going to let Junior decide for himself what he wants to do about this God and Jesus and church stuff. You listening to me? That boy will never come to Jesus if you're going to let him decide on his own. What makes a man decide? He needs Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Does he need to hear something and believe something? It's called the Word. It's called the Word which was with God, the Word which was God, and the Word that will still be here when this world crumbles and fails. Yes, this man in unbelief promotes destruction Misery and pain. And he says, why don't you join in with us? Have you noticed the fun we're having? And he's on the broad road. And it's crowded. And he's nearing destruction and death. And he encourages others. Anybody ever tried to tell you to come on down to the broad road? You know anybody that's on it today? Today? How will a man on the broad road ever get on the narrow road? Will he get there on his own? Or will there be some intervention called the Spirit of God that calls him to recall, this is not right, it's going to lead to death. Now John 3 verse 19 says it this way. Man is condemned because he's not believed. Not believed in the God that sent Jesus, not believed in the Jesus that said, Whosoever will come unto me, I'll receive him, and whoever calls upon me can be saved. That makes a man condemned. And there is no way to deal with condemnation outside of surrender to the fact, I'm a sinner, you're a Savior, save me Lord, I pray. So in that condemned nature, the man in darkness sees the light. The man who has never heard the voice hears the voice of the Lord calling, Come unto me for life against God. And God only does a man sin and he becomes an enemy to God in his unbelief. How does he ever become a friend without Holy Spirit assistance and help? So when you did come out of darkness into light, when you did come to surrender your all to Jesus and believe Him and ask Him to come into your heart, did you soon experience a fight and a conflict between good and evil? I mean, a lot of folks think when they get saved, they got the battle won. When you get saved, you're just in the army then, folks, and the war begins. Satan is against you. The Christian, he doesn't like the church. He wants to destroy it. And he'll tell you now that you're saved, you don't need church. I mean, go once in a while. And we've we got a society that goes twice a year now. They go Easter and Christmas. And I, I, I shouldn't have told you all that. You probably didn't know it. But anyway, uh, it's amazing uh, what the devil tries to do to a believer. And that's you in the pew this morning. Now, uh, that's me in the pulpit. <clears throat> I was oh, coming over here today, and the Lord said, Now, what do you got t- to say to him? And I said, Lord, I got everything. It's your book. And Satan said, hey, They won't believe it. He said, You're not going to keep on preaching, are you? And I've been doing this quite a while now. And the devil's a liar, you know. He, he don't know a thing about preaching. And I told him that twice just before I got into church today. And that's why I'm enjoying telling you what God says is true. And what Satan says is a lie. Who do you believe? We need Holy Spirit help. We need Holy Spirit assistance. I mean, you just explain why you came here today. Now was there a little bit of tug in your heart, a little bit of thought in your mind that I need to draw near to God? I need to come into His presence and be with His people. That's called the church. Was that Holy Spirit assistance or is that just habit? Now folks, said Habits, I don't go to church for habit, do you? There's something about church that you don't call habit. It's called the love of God that meets needs. So uh, let's just go back for a minute and think when you were an unbeliever, a sinner. hmm. Uh, how did you ever get the want to in your heart and life to want to be a Christian, to want to know Jesus as personal Savior, The want to. I mean, did you see somebody else share their testimony and hear it? Did you watch somebody else's life that said they'd received and believed Christ? And did you say, That's what I want? You used to call it old time religion. I'll tell you, if you've got it, it don't have to be old time, it can be fresh and alive. Is it that way with you today? Do you really know His Spirit that woes and draws you to be with His people and to live a life that can honor Jesus in everything that you do? You see, man on his own can receive nothing. John 3, verse 17. So on your own, you can receive nothing. Adam and Eve tried to receive covering for their sins by making An apron from fig leaves. On your own you can't do it. But when you respond to Him who can clothe you in righteousness and clothe you in forgiveness and clothe you in salvation, not your works but His grace and works, He saved us from our sins. So no man can come to Christ without the Holy Spirit's insistence. You come to me and I'll give you life. And you say, I want life. I want everlasting life. That's what you get when you come to Christ. The gift of God. Salvation. Did you hear my phrase? Salvation, the gift of God. And you don't want it. Folks don't don't need it. How are you going to get to heaven without salvation? You don't get there by works. You don't get there by going to church. Listening to a sermon, you get there by surrendering all of your sins to Him who can cleanse you from all sin and all unrighteousness and make you white as snow, makes you clean and pure and acceptable to Him. Now then, once saved, the conflicts begin. The war opens up in full force. Romans 8 explains it this way, we're saved by his grace, kept by his power, we're given a new heart, a new nature, but we have the same old body, Mm -hmm. the same old body. I've had this one for, I won't tell you how many years now, it's been pretty good. And this old body is prone to wander and prone to stray and prone to question God and prone to say, is that really true? And yet I come to the Word and I find I am truth. I'm life. I'm love. I'm liberty. I have it, friends. And I still have the same old body. And that's what the devil's after, the body. But he can't get the soul. You can't see it this morning, can you? My soul cleansed from sin. I'm going to heaven. Are you going when you die? If he comes and you're alive, are you going to go or be left behind? And the conflict rages because we have the same old body. Have you noticed when you desire to do good, <laughs> there's always evil there? And Satan says, I don't think you all do that. They'll think you're trying to be religious. And a lot of folks don't want to be called religious, so they try to live like a world, and there's no problem doing that. And what happens if you live with the world and go with the world? Oh, my goodness, that old body. I would like to be a a better Christian, but... I mean, who are you running with? Who's your neighbor? I mean... uh, do you think you could really be a good Christian if you just quit worshiping and come into church and assembling together with God's people? Well, you say, now preacher, if I've been saved, again, can. You can be saved and not go to church and die and lose rewards, but not your soul, not your joy. It's gone. There's something about this place and God's people that blesses us. And there's a conflict. When I would do good, evil is present. But then there is a power greater than evil. Let me tell you about that power. It's called grace greater than your sins. It's called the power that can cleanse from all unrighteousness. So I guess what I really want to say to you this morning is living for Jesus is not going to be easy. Now, you can't go from here to heaven on flowery beds of ease and I mean, it won't be sunshiny every day, and it won't be just like you think it ought to be all the time, but are you going to still live for Jesus? You know, uh, as you get older, you have aches and pains you didn't never have. I, I shouldn't tell you all that. It be a shock to you. And, and you know, <clears throat> you can try to make it better if you want to, and you can rub this on that. Boy, television has got stuff now that they talk about that, you know, for $22 and they'll ship it free, you can rub that on there and it'll stop all the pains and they talk about how it's helped them. I mean, isn't it amazing? We've got a world that is confusing us about how you can solve your problems. Have you ever talked about going to the Lord (laughs) with pain at night? He's still... Understands your prayers. He can relieve pressure and pain. I trust him, don't you? But those people on the broad road, they they don't think that it's anything to worry about. They're right. They're not confused. They're blessed. They have pleasure. And yet they're discontented, restless, no worry. I mean, uh, you are saved uh, and... You're in the battle zone, and the world tells you that <clears throat> it's not really sin. If if you want to do it, it's right in your sight. Do it. You don't have to make a marriage commitment. You don't have to always tell the truth. You can tell a little white lie. Have you ever heard a white lie? I mean, it just... Just shading it up. Now, what we've drifted into in my time now, it probably didn't happen in your time, but uh, we've gotten to the place that you can't say it's black and it's white. No, no, it's not. You can't say it's right and it's wrong because that's offensive. Hegel came up with, and I don't know who in the world he was, but I just read it. Hegel came up with the fact that it's neither black nor white, it's gray. And folks, we're living in a gray world today. It's not sin, it's not bad, it's just kind of the middle of the road and there's a lot of folks in it and it's that You can get bumped off if you don't watch it. And isn't it Mason, you're all agreeing with everything I'm saying? You must have been listening to the Word of God. Oh, yes it is. Uh, a discontented, dissatisfied society. We're calling... Evil good and, and good bad and, and 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 we don't know who's stepping on us the most. I and mean, it's Satan and his plan and his scheme. You see, we're doing exactly what Jerusalem did when Jesus came into Jerusalem. Are you with me? I, I'm gonna quit now in another hour. <laughs> Jesus came in and He said, How often I would gathered you together as a hen would gather her brood under the wings, and ye would not come. And Jesus is saying, America, world, I love you. Will you come to me that you might have life? And we're saying, not today. I'm not about to. I enjoy the broad road. Oh, I'm going to repent just before I get sick and die. And I want them to say I was a member of the church That really looks good on that obituary thing, by the way. And uh, you can finish that sermon out. But oh, my friend, Jesus loved Jerusalem, and Jerusalem didn't love Jesus. And he visited, he spoke to them, he did miracles for them, and mighty works. He could have done more had they believed, but they didn't believe so John 5 40 says it this way and I close ye will not come to me that you would have life now do you know anybody who will not come they haven't yet do you know who whether they will or not no so whether you don't know whether they will come or won't come does that exclude you from trying to tell them to come to Jesus there is life or are you just going to let them go? Never tell them that they could have life. There's a commitment for the church, the believer to share, and yet uh, for a man to try to lead a man to Jesus and to convince a man he needs Jesus, that man needs Holy Spirit help. You can't save people, but you can tell them about a Savior who did save a sinner. And you can say, look at me. Look at me. Jesus, save me. I'm going to heaven when I die. And I want you to go with me. I want the world not to go to hell, but to come to Christ and have life, everlasting life. But unless the Holy Spirit woos and draws and insists that you come, I can plead with you, I can beg with you, I can cry for you to come, but until the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. You're a sinner and you're doomed for hell if you don't come to me. You can't save yourself, but I can save you if you'll come to me. So then, does the Holy Spirit speak to you today about living a better life for Jesus? Does the Holy Spirit speak to you today about your full surrender to Jesus as a sinner and saying, save me lord i'm helpless you see philippians 3:13 explains it this way it's god who works in you it's god who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure and what is God's pleasure? That none perish, but that all would come to Him in salvation. All won't come. And since I don't know who the all are that will and won't, i got to tell everybody, if you'll come at His insistence and His pleading and His call, you can be saved today. But the heart's so deceitful. It's wicked. It's desperately wicked. Who can know the heart? God can know your heart. He knows right now what you're thinking. I don't, but He does. He knows that you're right or wrong. He knows if you're saved or lost. He knows if you're going to respond to what you've heard today. Jesus saves. He loves sinners. He loves you. If you call on His name and trust Him, He'll save you. He knows that. But you probably think you're right, all right. Already right. So then will the Lord search your heart? Will he try you in spirit today to make you know whether you're right or whether you're wrong? Let's just ask uh, Paul, who was called Saul, if uh, he really got saved. You know, just like I met him up and said Saul I've got these people at Bethlehem and I want to talk to you a little bit about your salvation experience. Saul did you really meet Jesus on the Damascus road? Was there really a time and a place Saul that you prayed and and that you were willing to say I can't do this anymore? Was there a voice that spoke to you Saul and Saul said have you heard my testimony? That's exactly right. He came to me. I didn't come to him. I tried to kill Christians and destroy Jesus and his church and I couldn't. And Jesus loved me and saved me. Now friends, I want to tell you one thing. When you read the book and he can save a sinner like Saul, don't you think he can't touch you and save you if you want him for salvation? As we prepare to sing our invitation hymn today, you alone and the Lord's Spirit will respond one way or another. Oh, how good it's been to trust in Jesus. How good it could be if you would trust in Jesus and take him at his word. He loves sinners. He loves you. Will you come to him today as we sing and share together? Will you stand?